And now, the starting lineup for Inside Slam. At guard, number 11, from the University of Iowa, standing 4 feet 26 inches, it's the man with the smoothest voice in the commentary box, Mr. Magic, Steve Carfino. And at small forward, number 6, standing well, sometimes because he prefers to sit. Mr. Stats himself, Evan Goldback. This is Inside Slam. Uh, you haven't asked, but my relationship's going fine. Uh, but I, you know what? I was the just reason, about to say. You know, none of my friends ask anymore because there's no drama in my life. That's, it's not even interesting. You know, it's just like, you know what it's like? My relationship is like. It's like playing with a guy that hits the ball down the middle every single time. You know, what's there to talk about? You and uh, your partner would definitely make not make it to married at first sight, I'll tell you that no. much. Is, <laughs> is your partner into that? <laughs> yeah. They love, they're, her and her daughters, they love that show. Oh, my gosh. It's, and it's, they're all, like, super educated, so it really freaks me out that they all love it. Because you know? <laughs> I, I did watch it. Because that show's too stupid for me. I watched it two, uh, for the last two seasons. I haven't watched the new season yet. Surely these experts they're just putting these people together to fight like there is no way you're looking at them going there's no way these people will ever get together <laughs> everyone loves a train wreck yeah abso- <laughs> absolutely well maybe we should do like a married at first sight uh maybe special next week okay yeah we'll bring or we could throw you on the show you know what so many people have said to me evan you should go on i'm like no yeah i mean you know like i just think it would be entertaining for your friends you know (laughs) and you (laughs) oh so you don't consider me a friend oh this yeah i just there's no way i could do it i just just, i mean you just be thrown under the bus by the producers they can make you look any which way they want and i'm I'm sure with me they'll make me look bad (laughs) i know but you're at the gym Piercing blue eyes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I am. <laughs> I this French I'm accent. French now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can do accents. <laughs> All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Inside Slam. It's a new week. It's a new episode. I'm sitting next to the main man, Steve Carfino. We've got a massive, massive show coming up for you today. We're going to get straight into the NBA All-Star Snubs. Coming up a little bit later, we're going to be talking to Brad Rosen. He's going to be giving us the lowdown on the NBL and the finals preview. Talking a little bit about the Australian Open. Obviously, Djokovic just taken out his eighth Australian Open, which is a huge feat. We're going to talk about can he catch Federer, can he catch Nadal. But Steve, how's your week been anyway? It's been good. You know, um, back at school, you know, back at work. People talk about school teachers and having school holidays off. And I probably won't get much sympathy here, but you know it's tough to go back to work after you've been off for six months, six weeks. You almost said six months. I know. <laughs> it, it would have been even tougher to go back then after. That's how it felt like after six months. Six months, you know. But I mean, it wasn't like I wasn't doing some work, you know, during those school holidays because we had school holiday basketball tournaments, and you know, we had to. Have make sure we had uh, fielded all the teams and make sure we had enough players on, on each team and make sure those guys had trained and and properly represent Barker College. I remember that my always going back the first day of school, especially towards the end of my high school years, and always that first day back, you always make sure you're looking good. The hair's got to be good because it might be new girls turning up. You don't know who's going to be there. There's new teachers. 
the ties done perfect. I had a tie and a blazer and all that sort of stuff. Were you were you the same when you went back, or you just as I'm just rocking up at my Barker College um, t-shirt? <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, like when I was in school, I went to an all boys high school, so we I didn't really care how I looked when I went back. We had a hair code, you know. When I went to school, afros, real big afros were in, so. You know, you couldn't wear, you know, big afro. Your hair couldn't touch your ears. And so there was all kind of. Really? Yeah. There was a hair code. Had a hair code, dress code, you know, because we didn't have a uniform. And so. That's yeah. so African And we had no girls. I so. love that. How good is that? And a hair code. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I could do whatever I wanted with my hair because, I mean, it's. In all honesty. Did nothing. In all honesty, um, I used to go looking pretty clean because, you know, when I first started at Barker College, because I just lost all that weight. So I was really enjoying buying new clothes and, and looking the part and dressing professionally. But we've got sport every day. We start, we have 630 workouts. And so, yeah, I got to get there earlier than that. So getting there what? really, and I just wear sports uniforms all the time now. Well, I mean, what time do you go to bed? I always say that, you know, I'm going to get to bed at 930, but I never do. I love nighttime. <laughs> so do I. Oh, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say they're tough hours at Barker College because they're basketball hours. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. You know, even if you go, you start, you know, 6.15 and 6.30-ish and you get home. I'll get home probably around close to 7, you know, after the workouts, the afternoon workouts finish at, at 5. And so, you know, once you kind of maybe talk to a coach about uh, what they need to do well, um, you know, their absentees and whatever it may be, you talk, you end up talking to the coaches and not getting in your car for another, hmm. you know, half hour, sometimes an hour. So it looks more like seven o'clock when you get home, but it is, it's fun. I mean, this is one of the first jobs other than that's not true. I was a professional basketball player. So I love that. I was a commentator. So I love that. There were a few years where I had to get a real job, you know, as a sales rep or, you know, had a basketball academy and that that was tough work because you know there's a fine balance between elite kids and and uh kids that their parents are trying to get them off the computer and the kids didn't even want to be there so that was a tough job but you know right now i'm doing something that it's a dream job and, awesome. awesome and i'm loving it so the long hours aren't really long hours you're talking about fun. working with me or barker college oh this is just a perk my man all right yeah all right. and this is fun all right this is uh this is in the fun Lane, this is sure. definitely um, this is my funnest hour of the week, no doubt. Well, listen, we uh, let's get Brad Rosen on. Um, I know he's ready. He's standing by uh, to talk to us about some NBL. So, NBL analyst, commentator, Brad. It's uh, so good to have you on Inside Slam. I know we've been trying to get you on for a while, but uh, great to have you on now. I know you're raring to go for the the NBL finals, which are right around the corner. It's uh, it's probably between five teams, I'd say. I, th- I think I don't know if anyone else can make it, but um, what what are you most looking forward to with this uh, NBL finals around the corner? Well, first off, thanks so much for having me. Um, you know, Steve's like a brother, so it's great to be on with him. I started my uh, commentary and he uh, helped me through everything. So I appreciate that. And uh, Evan, thanks for having me. So look, I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what comes of it. You know, I agree with you that there is five teams. Uh, I don't think Melbourne can make it, although obviously they, they could theoretically. Mm. Uh, I think the, the game this weekend when you get New Zealand versus Brisbane, to me, the winner of that makes it, is my theory. So um I can't see anyone but Perth and uh, Sydney playing off. I just think they've been the standout teams all season. And uh, what a series that would be. I'd love it to go five as well. Which teams have surprised you? I mean, for me, Melbourne United 
being as bad as they have been in some games just shocked the hell out of me. Yeah, it's funny you say that because when you say most teams, you know, what surprised you, you look at like a Cairns and you go, well, I didn't expect them to be good. But you're right. Not many teams are, you know, you expect them to be so good. You ask any person at the beginning of the season, I think we were all the same. Oh, Sydney, Perth, Melbourne, one, two, three, take whatever order you like and who's going to get fourth? It was never a shadow of doubt that Melbourne would make it. Even when they went through a couple of bad losses at the beginning, it was like, oh, they'll be fine. And I'm with you, Steve. That was just mind-boggling with a team that is that stacked. And I know that, you know, put Casey Prather, they could be great. But without Casey Prather, they still should be great. So I'm, yeah, I'm with you. Absolutely shocked that they are where they are. In regards to someone, a team like Cairns, you know, they've got a really small rotation. Do you think that's going to hurt them at the back end of the year? Because someone like the Kings, they go nine, ten deep while Cairns are playing, you know, six or seven guys. Do you think that's going to hurt them coming into the finals? Because they've been really impressive for me. You know, the whole Machado MVP conversation, he's just been, you know, really lighting it up week after week. Uh, I think it helps them. And, you know, I listen to a lot of people say, oh, it's nice to go depth. You know, like I came from an old 48-minute era and, you know, we played eight deep in that time. And and for me, that that's what you want. You want guys humming. You want guys feeling it. Look at those eight and cans. They are rolling and they are feeling it where if you've got guys that are 9, 10, and 11, it's like, when do I get in the game? Is mm. it going to be the first quarter? Sometimes you can hold back. So I love what cans bring. I, I Machado has been phenomenal. I can't see anyone beating Bryce Cotton for the MVP. But, hey, if you gave it to him, no one would be shocked. But, yeah, for me, I, I love what Cairns been. And Mike Kelly, coach of the year, without a doubt for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that we'll get into the awards a little bit later. But one of the things you touched on was the fact that Cairns have a, a lower rotation, so it helps them. And, man, I agree with that. But not just that. Let me ask your opinion. Does it drive you crazy when you look at teams and they play 10 guys in the first quarter? Can't stand it. As, <laughs> as, as, as an ex-player and a coach, because, you know, I was there in the Gorge era and coached ABA as well. Man, I don't know how coaches do it. And not only that, it's the first quarter of 10 minutes, not even 12. And I'm thinking to myself, I want to put myself in a starter's position. Now, I was never a superstar in the NBL, so I didn't have to play that. But growing up when you played a lot of minutes, man, you don't want to be coming out in four, five, six minutes. You want that eight, nine, and 10 minutes to get into the game. It would frustrate the hell out of me if you came out early. And I'm with you. That's what I love, what cans are doing because those guys know i don't care what's happening i'm playing this whole first quarter or at least most of it it just seems as if if one coach does it then everybody's doing it and everybody start talking about workload and load management we but, hate we wait, hate, we hate that word but you know what where is that word come from you know oh, what but if they want to if they want to have that word in the nba okay they play 82 games but we play 10 minute quarters we play like once a week what the hell has load management got to do with this league? I, I get it. Like, I'll, I'll go back and see, you know, like, obviously what Bogut didn't go to Perth. Now, I don't know. You know, they'll say there's no injury or whatever. I saw that guy go down and hold his back. To me, something's wrong. Those games I can sort of understand. That, to me, is not a load management. That's We don't want the guy to get hurt. That's yeah. completely different. Yeah. But load management, I'm with you guys. I cannot fathom it. And I also don't understand as a player as well, man, get me in every game possible. Like, I just want to play as much as I can. I want to be, you know, I want to win whatever awards in front of me. I want to show the crowd what I've got to do. If I'm on the road, I want to make them, I want to hit that dagger shot that's going to shut everyone up, you know, like, and that's just what surprises me. I think 
sometimes players might even be a little bit like, oh, yeah, I think I need a game off. I don't understand it. And the reason why I actually first asked that question is that is because I heard a, a basketball commentator on Australian TV talk about the Taipans and the fact that, uh, you know, these guys have been playing very short, short-handed for the, for the whole year. And I'm thinking, hang on, these guys aren't going through. It's not like the NBA where it's a best of seven on every single round in the playoffs. I mean, we're only playing a very small amount of games. The games are a lot shorter. And you and Steve both hit the nail on the head. You know, this whole load management thing, I just don't understand, especially in the NBL. Uh, I think it serves Cairns really well um, to have those guys really clicking. Uh, we saw that the Kings, uh, you know, when Xavier Cooks came into the rotation, we saw that they dropped. And I think that's because Will Weaver was trying to find minutes for guys. And when you're trying to find minutes for guys to keep them happy, everybody loses their own rhythm. But for me, the Kings are the team to beat. But when I look at the teams that are right around them, they've been beaten by Perth. They've been beaten by the Bullets. They've been beaten by, by Cairns. So is it, do you think any, any one of those four teams can win? Or you, are you gonna, oh, yeah. you're going to stick to the Sydney-Perth Perth only? Oh, no, I, I think any team can win. Like, I just think Sydney and Perth will play off because I think in a three-game series with home court advantage, I'm just not convinced a Brisbane or a New Zealand or a Cairns could knock those two teams off. Not not for the fact that they are not good enough. I'm just not convinced they can. And one of the other things I just want to touch on, because as you were saying some stuff, I'm thinking to myself, could you imagine if some teams played their starters, you know, the 30 minutes a game or 35 minutes a game instead of 21 minutes? Maybe we're not having as many close games and overtime games. Maybe these teams are winning so much easier because they sort of bring guys on that, in theory, could bring teams back into it because their strengths players aren't on there. So that's just another analogy that I, that I thought. But to answer the question, any team could win. I just think Sydney and Perth will be there at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm no genius, but I would think you have a starting five, and usually that's your best five players. That's your best combination. And I wonder how often that five, that unit of five, how many minutes they play in a game with the modern-day game. How good would that be? That's a great stat to get out. Find out how many minutes that five played throughout the season and what was the score total. That's a brilliant one. You're you're Einstein. What are you talking about? You're not smart. That's Einstein, mate. (laughs) He's smarter than he looks, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) I think they actually do have that in the – I think they have that in the NBA. I mean, they have advanced metrics all over the place. They've got a stat for – for everything and anything, and I think they have different combinations, plus, minus, all that sort of stuff. Not sure if they have that in the NBL yet, but, yeah, I, mate, would, I would be interested. They have a stat for who ties their shoelace up the longest, mate. <laughs> They're unbelievable, those people. Hey, Brad, I, you know, I watch the Sydney Kings play, and that gets me thinking. Who is the most underrated player in the league? And for me, it's Jay Sean Tate. Every time I look at NBL stats, you know, I go to that app, and he's like, Eight for 11. Seven, <laughs> it's so true. Seven for 10. I mean, and he can get to the rim. Every time he comes out of the game, he looks like he could just play three games in a row. Every time he comes <laughs> out of the game, I'm like, that's a bad sub. Yeah, that is so true. That's a great one. When you said that to me, like, think of the most. Right? You, you'll know this one. He's the Melvin Thomas of our league right now. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. But probably better. I don't know. I'm no, sorry, Melvin but, was but, a great but, player. But you know what I mean? Like, Melvin was unbelievable. I played with Melvin. He was one of those guys that was always that underrated guy because he looked a bit slower and looked a bit, you know, non-athletic. But, yeah, look, I've interviewed Tayshon as well. Always a smile on his face. Always got, you know, pumping around. I know he's a great team guy. Man, he, he is an awesome player. And I know for the Sydney Kings, Jan, wouldn't you want him back? He has just been brilliant for them. Brad, I want to ask you a question. Who would be your top? And I know it's, and I we haven't prepped you on this, but who would be your top three guys in the league at the moment that you think that could make it in the NBA? Ooh. Oh, Will Magnay's the first one. So Ooh. that's the first one that comes to mind. I don't know if he's ready next year. Mm-hmm. Like I know a lot of people have said, could he be next year? I don't know about that. Like, and you know, I'm not, I'm not an expert on no NBR. Never, you know, had tryouts or anything like that. I mean, you know, Steve and guys like that, they, they know, right? But for me, I just don't know if he's ready for that. But he will be. I have no doubt he'll be in the NBA. So that's the the first guy I'd say. I'm probably stalling this question a little bit longer to try and think the <laughs> Did you learn that one from me? Know, <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, well, I mean, if you talk about the next stars, of course, the Mello and RJ and, yep. you know, Gigi Lazada, these guys. But I know where you're coming from. I I would have, you know, originally I, I wanted to see what Cooks was going to bring, Xavier Cooks. I love his length. Mm-hmm. And I just think the way he plays is is so good. I don't know if we've seen the best of him yet, so I'd be interested to see, you know, where he's at. Um, oh, look, look, Frolling in Adelaide, there was talk, you know, to see how he goes, but I thought he's gone back a little bit this year from what he was on last year. But, you know, quite noy, long, oh, lengthy, yeah, like runs him. the lanes, you know. Long. They're the ones yeah. that I could think of. Steve's nodding at me when uh, you mentioned long there. Um, I know there's... Oh, no, uh, quite noy. Oh, quite no. Yeah. Quite no. Okay. But I, I'm shaking my head probably no when it comes to Long. He just – Oh, no. All no, that no, no. talent. Sure oh, my goodness. All that talent. I know Corey, Corey Homicide loves Long. Oh, yeah. He loves – Oh, really? Love I haven't heard that. Yeah. In the last yeah. <laughs> in the yeah. I know he hasn't said much about him when they've been losing. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I love Corey. He's such a front runner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he is awesome. Nicest bloke in the world. Absolutely. No one he, does he what he – no one, no one does what Corey does better than him. He takes social media – I mean, I follow him on Instagram just like I follow a drama, a TV drama. It's, it's really yeah. entertaining. I mean, you watch yeah. him. It's like a TV documentary. Married at first homicide. I always said to, you know, every time I say, I'm like, who, who's following you around? All these pictures are of you gazing you know, into your girlfriend's eyes. And it's like he has a photographer following him around. And who edits it all together? professional. It's a professional one, too, because those photos aren't like what I take on Instagram. Yeah. That's like, you know, one leg in the air and holding back and a selfie. Mate, this guy's like crisp, crisp clean photos of just, you know, and he's dressed like bang, bang. You know, oh, isn't like, he? Oh, he's awesome. Oh, he's clean. Uh, yeah. yeah. One uh, one of the guys you mentioned, uh, Diddy Lozada, um, I really like him. I think he's, uh, he's a good young guy. I actually think the New Orleans Pelicans have the rights to him. So I'd be interested to uh, see what happens to him next season do you know i i i i, 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 I want to i want to even ask steve that i don't think he's nba ready steve your no, thought no no yeah, no i'm with you. he's I, you I, know he's not yet. showing signs just not enough yeah i think that whenever you talk about a guy that's nba ready and one of the guys you said about will magnate doesn't he remind you of simon dwight the way he blocks shots oh. He's got oh, such yeah. great timing. Oh, just yeah. stands there, waits for you to commit, and then quick and just rejects it. But um, it's back to Diddy. I think that you have to be a consistent player. Like I thought LaMelo, even when he didn't shoot well, he was had such an effect on the game. He was so yeah. dynamic. He had the ability to see the floor. He did so many things well that 
um, that really count for big points when it comes to a player being drafted in the NBA. And I just think uh, Diddy's too, he's too streaky. You know, there's, yeah. you know, there's, I mean, now I'm going to go a little too far, but that's my nature. Um, he's there are a diamond dozen of him in the U S yeah. And in the, well, world, you know what? And in the world, in the world, cause the NBA yeah. is truly worldwide. Yeah, absolutely. And it is. And, and, and the way, best way of answering that, and, you know, he's a hell of a player. Let's not get me wrong, but mm. he's been drafted already and he's here for a reason. And that's because he's not ready. I just, and, and obviously he, we, you know, and I agree with you, he's still not ready. Another year or so, he could be dynamite in the league. But yeah, I agree with you. You know, like James Ennis, they, you know, they sent him over here for a reason. It has been a great opportunity. You know, like the, the NBA sees Australia as a great development league, send him to Australia for a year. And then see if he's ready because it's a man's league. Yeah, he's been awesome at Philly too this oh, year too. Yeah. yeah, I follow him. Big, yeah, big game eleven. That's what he is on yeah. Instagram. Brad, yeah, a, nice. a quick, uh, quick wrap on um, on the. I know, I know you love your NBA as well. Who's your uh, Who's your tip? I know that it's, it's been a pretty uh, Western Conference dominated league in the NBA this year, but yeah, who's your tip to take it out this year? Clippers-Lakers Western Conference Final. Lakers to win it, and God bless Kobe Bryant. Uh, Steve, can I just say I saw your segment about him. Phenomenal. Loved it. Gave me goosebumps. You know, it, as, a, as a father of a 14-year-old daughter, it resonated so much, and I, I think the Lakers will do it for him. They come out in the East. I can't see anyone beating the Bucks in the in, – in, sorry, they come out in the West. I'm sorry. I can't see anyone beating the Bucks and the Greek freak in the East, but Lakers to take out the championship. There would be a story written from the heavens if the Lakers do take it out. Brad, I know you've you're retired now. You're you're getting into your commentary, but tell us a little bit about your podcast, the Brad and Body Podcast. I, it's uh, it's it's a funny listen. Yeah, mate, I think we're up to eleven listeners now. So, um, <laughs> and, and I think six of those are my family. So, now look, it's um, it's absolutely fantastic. And you know, Body's Body's a guy I've known for you know for so long, and he sort of you know he he really knows his WNBL, and that was a, a sort of space we felt that could be good. So when we when we touched, we we thought we touch about that, and then we touch about the NBL. But look, we just have a bit of fun, and I don't really know how many people are listening and. Uh, for Body and I, we, we just chat. We have a bit of fun. We go at it. And, uh, but, you know, we don't talk NBA because we don't pretend that we know the NBA like some experts. And, you know, you guys do a phenomenal job. I love your podcast. I listen to it every week. And I just do it because, you know, I love the sport. I love the game and, and just love being involved. Yeah. When I listen to the show, I think those shows that I like the best are the ones where you guys start telling stories. Both of you guys have so much experience and Body's just he's world class when it comes to the WNBL. I mean, he's like an encyclopedia. You know, those guys are always interesting to talk to. But yeah, man, yes, keep banging on with those stories. I love them. <laughs> thanks, man. I love it too. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Awesome, Brad. Well, listen, thanks for coming on Inside Slam. Let's uh, let's make sure we get you on again soon. It's uh, it's going to be a dynamite end to the NBL season. So I'm looking forward to watching that and uh, seeing you on the sidelines. Thanks, guys. Really great. And anytime you need me, I love it. And I love your podcast. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks, Brad. Get back to your team. I know you're uh, on this. They're, they're waiting for you. They're, how long are they going to run two line layups, mate? <laughs> mate, they've been, they've, been, <laughs> they've been running suicides for 18 minutes. I better stop them. <laughs> see you, guys. Right, see Thank you, mate. Soon. Take care. Thanks, All right. Australian Open. I don't know if you got to see the Australian Open. So I, I'm a huge tennis fan. I love all sports, but I do love the Australian Open. I've been down to the Australian Open. We've talked about it and what a well-run event it is. But Djokovic, eighth Australian Open. He's now got 17 Grand Slam titles. 
Roger Federer on 20. You've got Rafael Nadal on 19. So he's not far away. And he's six years Federer's uh, junior. I mean, he's only 32. He's at the peak of his powers. Federer is 38. And it's weird for me saying he's at the peak of his powers at 32 because 10 years ago or 15 years ago when Sampras and Agassi were the two top two guys in the world, 32 was the end of the career. And guys were winning grand slams at 19, 20 years old. Dominic Team, he was in the final. He was 26 years old. And he's still that new next gen that are trying to break through. And it's weird that they're 26, 27, 28, and that's the next gen. It's amazing to me. We'll talk about Djokovic for a second. But it's amazing to me the longevity of these top three guys. It's the science. You know, guys are taking better care of their body. I mean, it's not just in tennis. You know, look at LeBron James. He looks like he's at his peak. These guys, when you watch them play tennis, it. I, I know I've said it before, but like LeBron James, Nadal, Djokovic, Sampras, you know, it was like they were built in a lab. They get the fluid into them. They they stretch. They. I mean, when when I first saw Djokovic win the Australian Open, you know, real early in his career, oh eight, and when he was running all over the court, and it would be like he was all stretched out, and he would turn that. It wasn't like a defensive chop. It was like one flying with top spin down at a guy's feet out of nowhere. He covered the court and would stop like no one I'd have like, ever seen before. He's like Gumby. He's like he's doing the splits and hitting. Yeah, because what, what most times when you're stretching for the ball, you're only hitting a slice back so the other guy can put it away. But he's doing the splits and getting power on it. I'm like, it's, it's just amazing how the game has evolved. I mean, I think that every player has brought something new to the game. Everyone said when Roger Federer got a hold of his emotions, he was going to be a hell of a player. The, he was the only. He was the first guy I ever saw that would work on things in the early games that he was going to work on and that he was going to use in later matches. Uh, and you could see that. I was, I, I believe, I can't bl- I can't remember which commentator pointed that out. Said, oh, "This is this is him working on things as the match goes on because he's working on things he's going to p- use later on in the tournament." Who's that good? We're, we're seeing such great tennis we, and such great, you know, like every sport needs a rivalry, but there's like four guys that are just going at it. I well, just well, These three, definitely. It was a, it was the big four for a while, and obviously Andy Murray had his, had his injuries, but uh, it's almost like we're in the twilight zone when it comes to sport. Like obviously, you know, we've lived through a lot of sport. We've lived through a lot of errors, but I just feel like now the level of – Elite athlete is just so ridiculous. Federer, Nadal, Djokovic in tennis. You know, guys like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson in, in the NFL. Like, these guys are freak athletes. LeBron James playing at 35. And then let's not discount a guy that's still playing in the NBA like Vince Carter at 42. And, you know, this, this is a guy that can still play the game at its highest level. I don't think the athletes were like that 20 years ago, but obviously the talent was still there 20 years ago, but the science has caught up. I mean, what's it going to be like in 20 years? Years ago when I was playing, the peak age that they had figured out when your body is still at a high level and your experience obviously grows every single year, and your peak was about 32 when it came to basketball, when it came to baseball, maybe a little bit different. It was a little bit older because you don't have the wear and tear on your body. A quarterback, you know, when he's about 32, his understanding of the game, his experience, all that knowledge, 
you know, with Drew Drew Brees or someone like it's it's up in the ante. But now, oh my goodness! I mean, thirty-two. That's nothing. I mean, guys are getting five-year contracts, four-year contracts in their mid-30s now, you know, taking them to 38, 39 years old. And we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. So these people aren't just giving somebody a contract like that because they owe it to them and want them to go out and bow out gracefully and rich. They, they've, they're getting their pound of flesh all the way through those contracts. Absolutely. Very quickly, do you think Djokovic will overtake Federer? I don't know. Hey, you know what? He could, and he could not. I wouldn't care. You know, like he's a great player. I think that Federer, and I eventually someone's going to get him. You know, they're like, there'll never be another Jordan. Then LeBron James comes. There'll never be a LeBron James. Somebody else is going to come and be a great player, Evan especially Colbert. <laughs> 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 yeah, but but the truth is. Hopefully, there will be the rivalries that there are now. That's, I mean, there is. I mean, there's not just one guy winning like Tiger Woods. Yeah. I mean, and he he was beating some great golfers, but my goodness, these tennis players, the the matches that they have to actually win a major, they're going five sets, and every one of them is an epic battle with a tiebreak. It's insane. It's five sets, there's tiebreakers, they're just running from side to side to side. Every rally is like 20 shots. I'm playing tennis later tonight with my brother. If I had one of those rallies, the the ambulance would be there, I'd be on the way to the hospital. I mean, it's the amount of fitness that they have is ridiculous. And you're younger than them. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm older than Djokovic. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm older than Nadal. I'm yeah. younger than Federer. Okay. I'm 36. <laughs> I may look older, but I'm not really older. No, I went for the oldest guy. Y- yeah. yeah, thanks for that. All right. Um, You're younger than Vince Carter. Yes. Okay. Let's, uh, let's, let's change gears for a second. The All-Star Game. I know, obviously, we talked about that we're not a huge fan of the All-Star Game. Have you seen the new changes that have come into the All-Star Game? I've seen them, but I know you can recite them because I don't know if I can recite them. You need a girlfriend. Uh, Well, (laughs) you got way too much time. I need one. You know, I've got a guy that I used to play against, Derek Rucker, and he knows more sports. He's across more sports than I think even you are. No, that's not possible. Uh, You know what? You guys should have a conversation. Get him on. We're going to have to get him. Are you talking talking about? We'll get him on the show. Are you talking about Derek Rucker from the Razorbacks? Yes, he knows like. English Premier League. He knows AFL. He knows rugby league. He knows rugby. He knows Major League Baseball, NFL. He knows. He knows it all. He's as bad as you are. <laughs> all right. Well, our new co-host, or as good. You know, I should say Rucker and Goldback next week. Yeah. Um, no, we'll, we'll definitely have him on the show. But it couldn't have it be a half-hour show. That'll be <laughs> no chance. It'll be Joe Rogan getting stoned <laughs> for three hours. Um, the, the new All-Star, it's basically every – they play each quarter and each quarter – the first three quarters are like an individual game in itself. And if you were, win the first quarter, that team's charity wins 100000 And the second team's you know, they play per quarter. Once you get to the fourth quarter, then they add up all the scores. So say it's Western conferences on 100, Eastern conferences on 95. They then add 24 points to that the highest score because of Kobe. And then they play to the first team to 124 points. How do you know all that? 
I just, I don't have a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I mean, you know, what a tribute. It's to, a great, it's a great, great tribute. Yeah. I think it's going to make them play harder that last quarter for sure. But an, an interesting thing that came up in ESPN today is like, you've got so much offensive firepower on both teams. That 24 points could go in like six minutes. It's not a great viewing experience, is it? Yeah. I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. You know, with Kobe Bryant and, um, boy, I mean, it's it's hard to put it into words, you know, how, how tragic that was. Mm. Um, but do you think that he would be adored as much as he is adored if he didn't do so much after his career finished? Like, he, he's gone, I mean, there have been a lot of guys who have been successful in their life after basketball, but the inspirational stuff that Kobe Bryant has done and was continuing to do and was presently doing as, you know, before he passed, it, it really has taken him to another level. He was a great player. Don't, I mean, everyone knows that and the highlights and, and the championships and the dunk contests and the, you know, he was as close to Michael Jordan as I had ever seen. Um, you know, no doubt about that. But the way the animation and Dear Basketball and uh, Mambo Mentality and mentoring young players, boy, he was really hitting his strides, wasn't he? And I think that that's why he is so adored worldwide and transcending any sport. I would say there's two. Not just any sport, Anyone, really. Anyone. In, in, the, in the whole world. I mean, you look at the tributes in the last, you know, what has it been, just about a week and a half or so. And it's been, you know, tributes from the Philippines to Argentina to Poland and the outpouring of grief for, for one man. And, not, you know, it's, it's, it's more than you'd get for world leaders. Like, it, it's transcendent. To answer your question, I think it's two things. I think it's exactly what you just uh, – I think it's a combination of three things. The things you just mentioned in terms of what he did after basketball, with the the academy, the mamba mentality, and obviously dear basketball, and showing his love and passion for the game. I think the turning point for him was when he is when he did his Achilles. I think that really humbled him, and I think from that moment forth, he was like, okay, I'm not invincible. I'm not going to be able to play this game forever. I don't want to be one of those guys that's. You know, and not to say there's a right or wrong. I don't want to be one of those guys that becomes a liability on the basketball court where I can't play defense or I can only play 15 minutes a game. I want to go out still playing the way I want to play, which is obviously why he went out with his 60-point game. And I think that since he did these Achilles till the day he passed, I think that period of his life is when the Kobe ego went aside and the Kobe love for the game and the love for his family came to the forefront and that's what people resonated with the most because people saw the transition from one person to the other and I think that's what resonated with everyone. Wow, that's that's well put. And that's what resonated with me to be honest. So, um but yeah, it's it's I'm I'm so glad that there's there are these tributes that are happening and um you know, people saying they're going to carry the torch. LeBron, I thought LeBron's speech was was beautiful win their first Lakers game. So it, it'll be it'll be very fitting if the Lakers take it out this year. So um and I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Yeah. I mean it would be a you know a storybook finish. Yeah. And I the funny thing is, uh when Brad was talking about when I was on Fox Sports and, and he asked that's I know what he's talking about. When I was asked, 
well, you have a daughter. His daughter was with him when she, I don't even remember the, the question that much because I just couldn't even breathe. But um, I think that might have a little something to do with it as well. The fact that, you know, he was there with his daughter. Um, I can only imagine him embracing his daughter, you know, in that crucial moment. And, you know, I think that has something to do. Everybody that has children, even people that don't have children, mm. have empathy, um, you know, in that situation. And I think it's probably mixed feelings to where, well, it's a good thing he was with her to comfort her. Um, it's, and also, you know, hoping that, you know, she wasn't there. So, you know, her life was cut short. So let's talk about something else. It's very emotional. It is. It is very emotional. Well, I mean, it's been a jam-packed podcast as it is. So, I mean, I don't think there's really much more to talk about. I mean, the All-Star Game, we, we did talk about that for a little bit. There was a couple of noticeable absentees, um, you know, from this year's All-Star team. But I just want to, I'll just quickly read out the teams. I, I do want to end it on a bit of a lighter note. The Western Conference is basically the Monstars from Space Jam. <laughs> and the Eastern Conference is the Looney Tunes. Yeah, okay. You know, as a matter of fact, we know the Monsters. Um, who, who, who's the East? Who's on the East? <laughs> okay, so well, I'll say both because it's just so funny. So Western Conference is Harden, Doncic, LeBron, Kawhi, Davis. Eastern Conference. Kemba Walker, Trey Young, Yanis, Pascal Siakam, and Embiid. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that's like, you know, Bugs Bunny and Porky Pig. <laughs> Porky Pig. <laughs> Joel Embiid's Porky yeah. Pig. Um, and then the Eastern, so Eastern Conference uh, Reserves, Ben Simmons, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo, and DeMantis um, Sabanis. A couple of good players there. Simmons, Lowry, and Butler really stick out. I think Butler should have been starting, in my opinion. But then you look at the Western Conference reserves. Damian Lillard, who's been averaging about 400 points per game. still Man, That guy can't. Boy, he never gets the recognition he, do, he doesn't he get the recognition. He should be starting. Wait, I don't know who in front. Well, I like him better. Well, you could than have him. You could have. I him. like him better than Harden, anyway. Yeah, and so he's. And it's funny that you say that because Damian Lillard this month has averaged like thirty-five, eight, six. Anyway, he's thirty-five had, angry points. Yeah, and he's been, chip on his shoulder points. He's been going crazy this last month. Doesn't get Player of the Month. I gave it to LeBron. It's true. He doesn't get the recognition he deserves. You got Donovan Mitchell. You got Nikola Jokic, Rudy Gobert, Brandon Ingram. Uh, CP3 and Russell Breswick as the reserves. And you got, got the guys that aren't there. PG, Paul George, Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, DeMar DeRozan. Oh, that's just the Western Conference. The only player of note that really missed out in the East was probably Bradley Beal, but that's because he's Wizards suck. You know what? The, the, the guys that missed out on the West could beat the East. 100%. Devin Booker? <laughs> He's he's killing it. I know. Oh my goodness. He's absolutely killing it. I've got um I've got one last funny thing for to finish the show. I know I know you know what we haven't done for a while? Who am I? Who am I? So you wanna do another you wanna do a who am I who am I? Yeah, sure. All right. I I didn't get the last one. The last two I don't think I got. No, no, you didn't get the last one. Okay. So I think you were gonna you said that oh I was gonna do this one. And I don't think I would have gotten it. I think that's why I thought that that I didn't get the last two. Okay. Born May 24, 1963. 
Okay. That was my era. In your era. Mm-hmm. In your era. He was born in Louisiana. Right. Carl Malone. No. Okay. <laughs> he, I, I don't think Carl Malone's that old. Oh, yeah, he could be. Yeah, yeah. he could be. Mm-hmm. So played college for McNeese State. McNeese State. Mc, McNeese State. Drafted at 1985, 18th overall pick. Played for one team. Joe Dumars. You got it. Boom. He's got yeah. it. He's back. <laughs> Steve Carfito's back. What uh, What? What? Uh, clicked it into your head? Oh, 1963. So mm-hmm. he's yeah, a year younger than I am. Mm-hmm. McNeese State. There are like two I, guys. I've, never heard, I've never, never heard of him. Only two guys went to McNeese State. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll try. I'm going to. When you said he only played for one team, yeah, it was Joe Dumars. Okay. I'll try one more. Only because I was um, looking through my old basketball collection on the weekend. Uh, I don't know why. I I think I was drunk. Um, Just to see if I was had any any cards that were worth a lot of money. Um, But I got I got one for you because it's around. He's around the same age. So, born. 21st of November, 1964, mm-hmm. from Haiti. He was went to Virginia College, University of Virginia. Drafted in 1987 as the eighth overall pick. Went to Virginia, 87. Oh, man. He was selected by the Chicago Bulls. 87 he was drafted in 87 drafted in 87 and he and he went where'd he go virginia you yeah, sure went, yeah went to virginia it wasn't clemson or no no went to virginia oh 87 played for because in the 87 draft the bulls picked up scotty pippen and horace grant correct and another guy he was selected by the Bulls, so it was, maybe it was a trade, trade day. Oh, okay. So he played, but he went to Virginia. He went. He went to Virginia. Yeah. So he he played for the Supersonics, the Clippers, the Pistons, the Kings, the Sonics again, Utah, and then went into the D League. But NBA NBA career statistics averaged eight points per game and seven rebounds per game. Who is it? Olden Polonese. Oh, I would have never gotten that one. Yeah. That was a tough one. Yeah, that was a tough one. I thought you might have got it because you knew who the trade was for yeah. Scotty Pippen. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So they the Bulls traded for him and then drafted and then did a trade swap. Right. I didn't know he went to Virginia either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good one. Yeah. That's a good and one. And played with Joe Dumas. Remember his foul shot? He had the ugliest form. I don't remember anything about him. I just remember seeing one of these basketball cards. I don't remember anything about the player. Yeah. Old Polonies. Old and Polonies. Good one. Yeah, that was a good one. All right. I got one last thing for you, and then we'll finish it off. Bit of a fun little segment called Who Wins the Championship with a franchise legend in his prime back on the team. The Sixers. So it's the current NBA team Mm -hmm. with with a legend. The Sixers with AI. The Mavs with Dirk. The Bucks with Kareem, the Heat with D-Wade, 
the Raptors with Vince Carter, the Lakers with Kobe, the Clippers with CP3, the Celtics with Larry, or the Rockets with Hakeem? Hmm. Oh, man. The, uh, the, the, I like the, that one. The one that jumps out is obviously the Lakers, but can they all play together? Right. So I actually like the Rockets with Hakeem. Okay. I like that one because you threw that one in late. But I was thinking the Bucks with Kareem. Oh, yeah. The sky hook in his prime. Oh, my goodness. With the Greek freak. Yeah, with the Greek freak. And the Bucks are nice, man. Throw Kareem in there. The all-time leading scorer in NBA history. Oh my goodness! Woo. There's some good teams there. There's ha- some, I, I can make an argument for all of, all of those teams. They have to double team the sky hook, ball reversal. The Greek freak has someone out of position. That's Chris, a dunk. Chris Middleton's hitting threes from from nowhere. Yeah, I like that. I'm gonna stick with the Bucks on Go that one. Go with the Bucks. All right. I'd have, yeah, I was because it's the week of the smaller markets. With the Kansas City Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Absolutely. How good was that? I know. That was huge. Did you watch it? The only, yeah. The it only, was good. Yeah. I was uh, hosting a Super Bowl party at uh, the casino, Star City. Were you? Yeah. I know. Thanks for the invite. Ribs. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Ribs and, and, yeah. And chicken wings. Oh, oh man. man. It was so good. That, was, that, sounds, that sounds awesome. awesome. Yeah. I mean, the only thing, this well, the only thing good in Kansas City other than the Chiefs. You know, the Royals, they have a good baseball team. Too. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. The Royals are good. But the barbecue. Woo. Have you been? Mm, yeah, Kansas City barbecue. DVC Gates Do- barbecue. When you walk in there, when you walk in there, they got like sisters in the, behind the counter and they're like, can I help you? Like all rude. <laughs> really? As soon as you walk through the door, I'm like, damn, can I look at the menu first? <laughs> all right. Yeah, as soon as you walk through. So, can, so famous for being rude. Yeah. So obviously you know where Kansas City, what state it is, right? Yeah, Missouri. Yeah. Show me state. Yeah, so Donald Trump doesn't know that. Oh, did he say Kansas City, Kansas? Yeah. Well, there is a Kansas City, Kansas. I know, but yeah. come on, you can't get that wrong. No. He, he tweeted out, I'd like to go... Um, no. I'd, yeah, he tweeted, I'd like to congratulate Kansas City of the great state of Kansas. Oh, my. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> shall we end he on should. that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> he uh, should never improvise. I don't know. I still think that, s- that some guy has hacked his account. He just can't say some of this stuff, surely. Yeah. Him, I don't know who's He's worse, f- him or George Bush, when it came to improvising and saying something stupid. Yeah, but George, George <laughs> Bush, you could actually see, like, yeah, that's a. That's Fool a- me once. Yeah. <laughs> that's an inside word becoming an outside word. <laughs> uh, oh, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening. As always, uh, make sure you check us out on Instagram. Inside Slam is our handle. Also, check out Global Story Network on Instagram and Twitter. And we will see you again next week.